Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Thank you, Pastor Murray. Good afternoon, brethren. Nice to have uh, Laurent and Patrice visiting us. Uh, wonderful to have the brethren from Kawartha Lakes visiting us. Very nice to have you. And also wonderful to have Sister Lisa back. Wonderful to have you. So, I have the new iPhone. Well, it's not new, new. It's uh, iPhone 6S which is very unlike me. I'm kind of this, I love technology. Lately, I find the technology boring. So when I had to upgrade, they told me I could get an iPhone 7, I could get an iPhone 8, I could get the iPhone X, and I just wasn't interested. But this one I could get for free. So I said, I'll I'll take it. But I really needed it because my previous iPhone, for some inexplicable reason, the GPS in it stopped working just stopped working. And I would find myself in situations, you don't think about it until you need it. And then suddenly I need it, and it doesn't work. And they say here for a GPS, you know, either it could be there's no signal, it's not updating your location, it's showing the wrong location, or the compass is folded, uh, pointing in the wrong direction. So for me, there was something in the phone that went wrong, and it was a hardware problem, not a software problem, where it didn't know where I was. And recently I was in Ottawa visiting the brethren there, and I landed at the airport, got a car, was heading to one of the brethren's homes for dinner that night, and I was taking a different route. It's a faster route than the way I would normally go. And so I'm driving, and then suddenly I get to an intersection where I don't know where I'm going. Fortunately, there was a gas station there, so I went to the gas station. I asked for directions. They gave me directions. I got back on my way. And again, I hit this decision I had to make, and I made the wrong decision. And I found myself in the middle of nowhere in the night. And there's no civilization around. It's all farmland. So I'm struggling. And then a police car passes me, going the other direction. And he was was moving pretty fast. So I did a U-turn, and I start chasing him. And I'm chasing him. It took me about five minutes to catch him. And uh, I'm flashing my high beams. And finally, I get his attention, and he pulls over. I walk up to him, ask him to wind down the window. Excuse me, officer, do you have any idea how fast you were going? (laughs) I didn't say that. (laughs) In fact, I realized we're in the middle of nowhere. If I get out, it'll probably make him nervous. So I stayed in the car. I let him come to me. And I just explained to him what happened. And so he he said, like, wow, you're almost in Montreal. I I mean, it was far. I I was way off. And so he was trying to figure out how to get me back on track. And he gave me the directions. I finally made it. But the problem with the phone is it didn't know where I was. And I want to use that as a metaphor for our walk with Christ. For the GPS to work, it needs three things. It needs to know where we are. It needs to know where we're going. And then it needs a connection to the network to show us the path. 
I want to use that, GPS. G, we need to grade ourselves so we know where we are. P, we need to know the path. And S, our destination, is salvation. Let's start with grading ourselves. How well do we grade ourselves? What grade would we give ourselves in this walk with Christ? Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. Notice this in 2 Timothy 3. In 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul writes, Yes, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So, you know, the time ahead is such that he actually explains it in the next verse. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. They will be proactively throwing out false doctrines, trying to deceive the simple. And they themselves are being deceived. So it's a whole system of deception by the devil. And it's getting worse and worse. The danger for us is that in such a world, we look pretty good. We can be declining in our standards in a way that is alarming. But compared to everybody else around us, we're pretty good. And this is a deception of the devil. It is not, deception is not just doctrine. Okay, you can't fool me with false doctrine. But I can be seduced. I can be deceived in my conduct. I can be proven unfit through this type of deception. Look at Amos 5. So let us be careful to not only look outside at the declination, the, the, the declension, the, the decline in morality. I mean, you can't, you can't turn on the TV, uh, a movie, without filth and, and violence. What, what is done to human beings, and, and this is aimed at children, like this is you know, proved for all audiences. And you're thinking, wow. When I was growing up, we didn't see these images. But this is, this is traumatizing. It's traumatizing. This is a trauma-based mind control where you just, you just give up. You're just so demoralized. And then you just might as well live any way you want because you have no hope. But let us not evaluate the society that we're in and the wicked people in this society as their morality declines. Let's make sure we're evaluating ourselves. This, this is not a joke. This is real. We, we really are involved in something big. Look at Amos 5. You can't fool me today. You know, yesterday was a different story. But you can't fool me today with false doctrine. We've got the major doctrines from the biblical word, and we're going to hold on to the word. If anybody comes in with anything to us or, or, or any um, doctrine, any ideology, we're going to compare it to the word. And if it doesn't line up with the word, 
get lost, get behind me, Satan, because it is written. That's what our Lord showed us. Okay, so we've got the doctrine. Amos 5, verse 21. God speaks. I hate, I despise your feast days. Uh Uh-oh, somebody's got good doctrine. Somebody knows that Christmas isn't God's festival. Somebody knows what his feast days are. And these somebodies are celebrating. And God says, I hate it. And I do not, I do not savor your sacred assemblies. So multiple brethren are getting together. It's a sacred assembly. And God has nothing to do with it. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them. Now, I'm just going to go out on a limb a little bit. I don't think it's a big limb. But I'm going to say that these people of God, as they watch the calendar, and oh, the feast is tomorrow, and then they assembled together, and they collected their offerings, I'm just going to say I think they felt pretty good about themselves. I think that they thought they were doing everything right. Verse 23. Sorry, I was in verse 22. Though you offer me burnt offerings in your grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though they offer it, they assume it's accepted. God is saying, I won't accept it. Nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. So, you know, hey, I'll be the worship leader and let's all sing together. And this is wonderful. You got the lyrics? It's all the lovely lyrics. And God says, take it away from me. I don't want it. So the problem is not just people who don't know God. It appears from the scripture that people who know God can be seduced, can be deceived. Doctrine is not enough. Take away from me the noise of your songs. We, We think it's beautiful. Take it away from me. For I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. So these are talented musicians And they're able to make beautiful melody. And anybody listening would say, that's lovely. And God says, take it away. Instead, let justice run down like water. And righteousness like a mighty stream. This is what God wants. He wants justice. And he wants righteousness. And this is how we must grade ourselves. Not by the trappings of religiosity. Not because compared to those outside, we're pretty good, but compared to the world. Does justice run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream? What was the mindset of these people? How did they see themselves? What was their perspective? So we hear God's perspective. What's their perspective? On themselves. Let's get a hint of that by going to verse 18. Verse 18. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? I would say they were like, wow, the Messiah's coming. You know, when he comes, he's going to make everything right. Those wicked people, they're going to be put down. And God is saying, Why are you desiring the day of the Lord? It is of no benefit to you. It will be darkness and not light. 
It will be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Or as though he went into the house, leaned his hand on a wall, and a serpent bit him. That's what the day of the Lord is. Isn't the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? So as we here are preparing for the return of our Lord, we need to be very, very careful, brethren, that our opinion and God's opinion are alike. That we're not here feeling good about ourselves. We're not here comparing ourselves to people who have false doctrine, people who have lewd behavior. And we're saying we're pretty good. And God is looking and saying, I hate this. I can't stand it. And when I, when I, when I act, it's going to be as though you ran from a lion and you ran into a bear. As though you, you leaned on a wall and a serpent bites you. There will be no rest for the wicked. God better not see us as wicked. He said that he wants justice to run down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. Look at Habakkuk. Habakkuk 1. This was this problem with God's people. There was no justice and there was no righteousness with his people. There was ritual. There was habit. There were relationships. But justice and righteousness were lacking. And this is what we need to guard against as we evaluate ourselves. Habakkuk 1, this burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw, O Lord, how long shall I cry and you will not hear? I even cry out to you of violence. There's stuff going on in the covenant community that Habakkuk is beside himself with even the violence that's taking place among God's people. And you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity? So it's so clear to him what's happening in the community and cause me to see trouble. For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arising. This is in the community. Therefore, the law is powerless. And justice never goes forth. So God wants his law to go forth. But because of these compromises, that was not happening. God answers. Look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days which you would not believe though it were told you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed of themselves. So you didn't want God's judgment. I didn't want God's judgment. Let's do this our own way. And God says, fine. You don't have to have my judgment. You don't want my judgment? Have the judgment of the nations. I will raise up a bitter people that have their own law and their own idea of justice. And that will be imposed on you. And see how you like that. God wants justice to run down. His justice. If we don't want it, God will give us the justice of man, which has no mercy in it at all. It's a bitter and a hasty nation. So we have to 
evaluate ourselves? How do we see things? And with what judgment do we judge? I was driving around yesterday, and it was quite bright. And I, my previous sunglasses, my wife, uh, I broke them, and my wife bought me a new pair, and I hadn't worn them yet. So I thought I took them with me. And I thought, you know, it's not sunny, but there are UV rays, and I'm sure I should protect my eyes from the UV rays. So I put my sunglasses on, and I'm going around town. When I took them off, they're, they're right here. I don't wear expensive sunglasses anymore because I lose them, I break them. But I took them off, and then I realized the whole time I was going around town, I still have the label on. <laughs> so I'm walking around, and everybody's probably looking at me thinking, oh, he's got a new, new pair of sunglasses, I see. <laughs> so I take it off, and I'm putting it away, and I think, oh, wow, I didn't take the label off. <laughs> but it's hard to see ourselves. I only have one pair of eyes, and they look out. They don't look back. Unless I have a mirror, I can't see myself. And so this first step, and this was the problem with my GPS, it didn't know where I was. So this first step of an honest assessment of where are you? Where are we? If we delude ourselves, if we allow Satan to deceive us, then we think we're somewhere where we're not. And the GPS can't help us. The GPS will give us directions, but it doesn't apply to us because we're not there. Somebody else is there. So the very first step is we must have an honest assessment of where we are. Matthew 7. Matthew 7 and verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. And Pastor Murray has explained this to us. This is crino. This is condemn. Don't condemn somebody so that you're not condemned. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Uh-oh. So we have a choice here. So first of all, it's very clear. Don't condemn anybody. That's, not our, that's above our pay grade. Okay? So we're not going to condemn anybody. But he says in verse 2, with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you measure, you will be measured. So one response to this is, well, I'm just not going to judge. I won't make any evaluation. But then God says, let justice flow. He wants, justice to, he wants his justice to flow. So what's the, what's the answer? We judge with God's word. That way, when, when we have to be judged, yeah, we are subject to God's word as well. So let God's word be the standard. Let God decide and let it flow. And that's the judgment we will be judged with. Amen. This, this concerns all of us. Or how can you, so he says, and why do you look in this, at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? My eyes go out. I can't see myself. I can see everybody else. And let me just make notes on the faults that I see everywhere. Meanwhile, if I could only see myself, what, what I'm dealing with, what's in my heart, all what I've just seen is nothing compared to what's in here. Compared to the wickedness in here, this is the problem. And if I could only see that, then everything else would be seen in perspective. But I can't see this. So, oh, well, I'll look at this. I'm taking notes. And it hasn't changed yet. 
No, let's evaluate ourselves. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So it doesn't say don't remove the the speck from your brother's eye, but deal with yourself first. Then remove the speck. But let's not keep this too individualized. Yes, we have to be on this personal journey, grading ourselves. Where are we personally? We also have to do this collectively. We are a body. And this congregation is being evaluated by God as a congregation. And if we look at Revelation 2, we see the letters, the the epistles of Christ to the churches. Throughout the New Testament, we see the epistles of Paul and Peter uh, and James and John to the churches. And they're constantly evaluating the congregations as a whole. Here are the problems we see in your congregation. And urging us and encouraging us to also have this perspective. It's not, hey, I'm good, and who cares about everybody else? It's like, no, I am my brother's keeper. How do we do this together? How do we get through this together? How do we ensure that when Christ returns, no one is lost? And so Revelation 2, as an example here, he says in verse 12, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, these things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. It swings both ways. It cuts both ways. Yes, we can use this two-edged sword to slay the deception of the wicked. But that two-edged sword comes back on us. And it cuts between the bone and the marrow. And it's looking in our hearts. And so it's not enough to say, oh, look how wicked they are. Look how deceptive they are. And point the finger out. We need to look at the three fingers pointing back. And are we ready? Yes, the the world is evil. No doubt about it. And it's getting worse. But are we ready for Jesus Christ? Like, are we really ready to to receive our king? And will he be pleased with us? And are we ready to rule with him? This is big. This is no, it's like, words fail me. Words, this, this is a big deal. So it's a sharp two-edged sword. It cuts both ways. And he says, I know your works, speaking to the congregation, and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. So it's a very evil, they're in the midst of evil. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas, my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. So they're in the midst of wickedness. But that is not enough. It's not enough that they're doing work, they're, they're, com- they're combating the evil around them. Verse 14, I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam. So the, doctr- the congregation is tolerating the doctrine of ba- Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel and to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. And that's, what one, that's a sort of insight that we have now, that sexual immorality is idolatry. We need to flee from it. And it's, it's all over our society, and it's getting worse. 
And things that we do today, ways that we dress today, things that we say today would horrify our ancestors. But it's okay now. But to God, it's not okay. It's idolatry. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. So again, God can evaluate in Amos his people. They're holding the feast, but they're things that he hates. Repent, he's speaking to the congregation. This is not an individual repentance. Repent, congregation, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So the sword of his mouth is not just for his enemies. It can be applied to God's people. And, and this should terrify us. This should motivate us. And this should, should drive us to want what's, to upgrade our congregation. Not just, hey, I'm okay. But how can we make the congregation better? How can we bring our energy and our talents and our abilities to make the congregation stronger? To receive, to be ready for Christ. I, I, I can't say it any stronger than that. Philippians 2. passage that we have been looking at for years now but in philippians 2 verse 12 therefore my beloved plural the congregation as you have always obeyed obey those that have the rule over you and they have always done that not as in my presence only so it's not just when he was present with them but now much more in my absence work out your own salvation with fear and trembling so what's our attitude as we're trying to work this path out and figure out where, where, what's our starting point, where are we? Is there a sense of confidence? Boy, do we know the doctrines. Boy, can we withstand false doctrine. So we're good, right? No cause for alarm, right? We're all good here? Or are we like, wow, Christ is coming. And in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, he's raising up a people that are ready to receive him. And when this happens, the wicked are going to be floored. They're going to be like, what? When? What? What? And we're going to be even so, come Lord Jesus. And we're ready. But we're ready because we take this thing seriously. It's big. And because it's big, we tremble. We, we don't want the sword of the Lord against us. It cuts both ways. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do, for his good pleasure. So this is not human. This is divine. This is Holy Spirit, that I just, I want to do this, and I will do it. And you want to do it, and you will do it. Where does this come from? We don't know. Because humanly, no way. But Holy Spirit-filled, not only way, yes way, with energy and commitment, we're going to work this out, because we are terrified of the alternative. Do all things 
without complaining and disputing. Again, Holy Spirit, how do I do what I don't want to do opposite to my interest? And I don't complain or dispute. I just do it. It's a miracle. Why? That you may become blameless and harmless. There's a lot of blame in this society. It's awful. Things things are happening today that defy the imagination. How, How do human beings come up with this kind of wickedness? And yet, if we follow this process, we are becoming blameless and harmless. The sword of the Lord comes down, his judgment flows, and we're without blame. We're good. Because we are in alignment with his word. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault. It's not that we're sinless. We're without fault. Because we're in accordance with his word. When we sin, we repent. When we sin, we, we, we go to one another and help each other and think congregationally. And we are without fault. And how are we, up, or where are we without fault? Just as we saw with Pergamos, right there where Satan's throne is, we are at fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. This is phenomenal. God's wrath is coming down on a wicked and a perverse generation. And in the, right in the middle, he doesn't say, oh, Lord, take them out of the world. He says, no, let them function in the world, but let them be one as we are one. And get them, help them to purify themselves and be guided by your truth right in the middle of a wicked and a perverse generation. This is happening now. The wicked are getting more and more wicked, and God's people are purifying right in the midst of it. This is children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. He doesn't put us on a, he doesn't light the candle to put it under a bushel. He lights the candle to put it out there as the standard so that people can see where the light is and be drawn to it. And when they come, it's real. It's real. They come and they say, wow, these people really love one another. They must be God's disciples. They have a true agape love for one another. And the light is real. Holding fast the word of life. Nobody takes this word from us. We study it. We love it. We treasure it. And when Satan comes, we say, it is written. And we drive him away. Holding fast the word of life. So that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. So he says in Amos, what good, you who desire the day of the Lord, what good is it to you? And here Paul says, Hang on to the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. So if we judge ourselves by God's word and conform our behavior to God's word, then we have something to look forward to. 
when all of this starts to go down and the wicked panic, we're going to be filled with desire and hope and expectation while the wicked panic. Daniel 12. This is happening, you know, um, the news, they'll say, happening now. It's like, this is real time, live, happening now. What's happening now is the wicked are waxing worse and worse. And in the middle of this, there are people who are purifying themselves, getting better and better, learning what agape love is, and learning how to exercise it, studying God's word, washing themselves, with God's word, and growing ready for the return of Christ. Daniel 12, verse 8, Daniel writes, Although I heard, I didn't understand. I didn't get it. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? What's going on? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed Till the time of the end. Many shall be purified. So this word is what purifies us. But the word was sealed. But in the end it's going to open up. So as the wicked are waxing worse and worse. The word is opening up. To God's people. And we're using this word to purify ourselves. Many shall be. Not not a few. Many shall be purified. And made white. Let's put ourselves in there, in that category. Not the category of people who are keeping the feast days, that got the doctrine, but they're being deceived. Satan deceives the whole world. So you're just going to say, I've got true doctrine, so I'm not deceived. No, that's not it. Satan deceives the whole world. So I got true doctrine, I can still be deceived. My behavior. I love my I love God, but I hate my brother. I'm deceived. I'm in darkness. I'm in darkness. Many, 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 this is so hopeful. Many shall be purified and made white and refined. But the wicked shall do wickedly. It's in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation. They're doing wickedly. But there's these people that God is bringing through who are coming to understanding and doing what the word says and purifying themselves. None of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. We don't despise God's word. Try to use God's word to say God's a liar and this kind of garbage. We uphold God's word. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the wise will understand. The wicked won't understand. But the wise will understand. 1 Corinthians 9. We must, so this whole point is as we grade ourselves, we must accurately assess our starting point. Where are we right now? Because if we don't get that right, the GPS is useless. It cannot recalculate. It's just going to be in this endless loop trying to recalculate, trying to figure out, well, where are you so I can get you to where you need to go to? But if I can't figure out where you are, 
I can't help it. That's why, you know, the, what good is the day of the Lord to you? So here the GPS is saying, but to you, to me, if I don't know where I really am, if I'm keeping the feast days, I'm feeling singing lovely melodies, and I'm feeling good about myself, the GPS isn't working. I don't know where I am. So what good is the day of the Lord to me? 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast. That, that's my job. So I preach the gospel. Oh, I feel so good about myself. I preach the gospel. But if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me, yes. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So that's, I'm an unprofitable servant. I preach the gospel. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. So God says, yeah, we, we have work to do. And we collectively have preached the gospel and will preach the gospel. So as we, if, we, if we do this, there is a reward for us. But if we do it against our will, it's like, okay, we've got to do this, so we just do it. Well, we've been entrusted with the stewardship. It's our job. So whether we want to do it or not, we have to do it. But if we do it willingly, there is a reward. What is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. So he was really, it was really important to the Apostle Paul not to take anything from the brethren he was preaching to, just to preach it freely so that he would be rewarded, that he did not take any uh, payment, even though he was entitled to it. But dropping down to verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? So there are many, many brethren who are in this race. And we're all running. But one receives the prize. In other words, not everybody wins. The way the race is set up, there are standards. And, and whoever races and, and crosses the finish line first, that's the winner. And then everyone else comes in second, third, whatever. So just because you're in the race doesn't make you a winner. Just because I'm in the race doesn't make me a winner. What makes us a winner is to compete according to the rules and to excel. But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you obtain it. And this is going to lead us to our second point. We have to, actually my third point, we have to know the way. But running is one thing. There's a way to run. This is as we grade ourselves. Are we running the way it's prescribed for us to run? Or are we just running the way we think we should run and feeling good about ourselves? So we need to make sure that as we run, we're running according to God's word. And this is something that the spirit world, the demonic spirit world, feeds on us. It feeds on hate. It feeds on fear. It feeds on cowardice. It feeds on animosity. So as we engage in these things, we give the demonic world energy. When we love each other, we discourage the demonic world. So there's a way that we must run. We must run in compliance with the word. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. 
Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run like this, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. And so the fighting we're engaged in is with the demonic world. We we are under attack. We need to see what's happening. And then we need to fight. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I can spot that. I can see that as an attack. And I will not respond in kind because I understand. I understand. You understand. This is big. There's somebody, there's an army of beings that want to knock us out. And so we've run this race, we've kind of worked up some perspiration, and we've disqualified ourselves. That's what Satan wants. So we're going to expend this energy anyway. Let's run in such a way that we actually obtain the crown. I think we can leave the rest there. It's a scripture that we're quite familiar with. But worth reading, so I would say. Uh, go ahead and read that. But drop down to verse 10, uh, chapter 10. And he speaks of, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. So there was an attitude that they had, and that was the door opener for the destroyer. So in Philippians, we heard that we, it is God who works in us both to will and to do, and not to grumble or dispute so that we can be this uh, purified people in the midst of a crooked generation. Satan works through our minds, through our emotions. And that's, he's looking for an angle. And so we have to have this ability to wage warfare, understanding and seeing what's really going on. And loving one another. And discouraging this demonic host that surrounds us so that we are not destroyed by the destroyer. Verse 12, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Get the GPS working. And are we really standing? Can we really see the planks in our eye individually and also as a congregation? You know, Can we see as a congregation the planks in our eye? collectively so that is we must grade ourselves we must know the starting point otherwise the GPS is compromised in its ability to help the S in GPS is our destination which is salvation we are driving towards salvation what is salvation? Revelation 5 Actually, let's let's take it from Revelation 1. Sorry, go to Revelation 1. Revelation 1 and verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Grace and peace. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, 
Not the only born from the dead. He's the firstborn from the dead. We also must be born again. We must be born from the dead as well. And the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We will bear the image of God. And we will do what Adam failed to do. And that is to lead mankind to God. So we have to learn this. We, we can't teach it and say, well, I really don't know what I'm talking about, but in theory, this is what you should be doing. It's like, look, we've lived it. We were there. Right where you are right now, I was there. Let me help you. And we become the GPS for the rest of, for the fall harvest. But we are here to bear the image of God as kings and priests. In Philippians 3, verse 12, he says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. So he had a good assessment of where he, he is now. And it's not where I was yesterday. So if the GPS suddenly worked and said, yesterday you were here, that's of no use to me. I, I need it to tell me where I am right now. So Paul clearly understands where he is right now. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So there's a purpose to our calling, and that's why Christ has laid hold of us, and so he's laying hold for that. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, so proper self-assessment, I'm not there yet, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Where I was yesterday doesn't help me. I'm forgetting those things of yesterday. Where am I right now? Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. So I, where I am now, what's the destination point? I press toward the goal. So it has to know the end point. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. God is working with us. He wants us to have a proper assessment of where we are and where we're going. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. The final piece in the puzzle, the P, is for the path. So we need to grade ourselves. Where are we? What's our true starting point? If, we're, if we get that wrong, the GPS is off. We need to know our true destination, salvation. And then we need a path. We need a path to get there. Psalm 119. In verse 100 of Psalm 119, David writes, I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. So we're here living by God's word, and we actually understand more than ancient men. Leaders for God didn't understand. Daniel, Daniel was told, seal it up, go your way. And he's like, what, what, what does all this mean? Well, here we are. 
understanding Daniel. We understand. Why? Because we, as we walk with God, he reveals more to us. I have refrained my feet from every evil way. So there's only one path. And you take any other path, you're in an evil way. If I take any other path, I'm in an evil way. There's only one path. And so we refrain our feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. The wicked want to take God's word away from us. We keep it. And we don't just keep it just to hang it on a wall. We keep it so that we can live by it. Every, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's like software. It's code. It's like I can predict what my brother's going to do because I know that he's bound by this word. He's studying this word. And if he doesn't act in accordance with this word, I can go to him and say, brother, I don't understand your behavior because the word says this. And then he'll say, yes, but you're not considering this scripture. Or he'll say, my goodness, I'm out of alignment. And so we just get back to alignment. This is a practical tool for us. I have not departed from your judgments. So the word has judgments and we don't depart from them. For you have taught me. How sweet are your words unto my taste. Others, dis- I, I was shocked at the despising of God's word this week. But we don't despise God's word. We love God's word. How sweet are your words unto my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. This is why the wicked have no clue what's going on. They pick up God's word and they spit on it. And they have no clue what's in it. We pick up God's word and we savor it. And we grow in understanding. And and it's precious to us. And so we love this word. How sweet are thy words unto my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. There is only one way. And every other way is false. And I hate them all. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. This is the GPS. It's right here. This is where we learn the path. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep your righteous judgments. You know, this man went to visit a friend who had come into some money and he bought a house in the country. And uh, it had been a while since they'd seen each other. And so he went to visit his friend and they were walking through the woods. And it was amazing. In all the trees, there was an arrow. There was a bullseye painted on the tree, and every single tree had the perfect shot. And he's like, John, when did you become such a great archer? And John's like, oh, no, I'm no great archer. I just shoot it, and then my servants come along afterwards, and they paint the bullseye around it wherever it lands. That is the difference between the Torah and Sharia. The Torah, what does Torah mean? From Torah Resources International. The Hebrew word Torah is derived from a root that was used in the realm of archery, yara. Yara means to shoot an arrow in order to hit a mark. The mark or target, of course, 
was the object at which the archer was aiming. That's what Torah, that's the root of Torah. That there's a, there's a target, and I'm, I'm shooting an arrow to that target, and hitting the target, that is Torah. What is sin? Karmatano. To be without a share in something, namely, to miss the mark. So when we follow the Torah, the path of the arrow, we hit the mark. We hit our destination. When we deviate from the Torah, we sin. And we miss the mark. What is Sharia? The term Sharia literally means the path to a watering hole. So the Torah is the way. Sin is departing out of the way. And Sharia is the path to the watering hole. It's a legal system designed to take us away from the Torah. And iniquity will abound. And Sharia is spreading all over. Jesus Christ in John 14 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In Luke 4, he says, man must live by every word of God. So this is the difference. The Torah points to the target. Christ came and studied the Torah and then lived by every single word and followed the path of the arrow and hit the bullseye dead on. Muhammad came along. And whatever Muhammad did, that is Sharia. So we call it Sunnah. So whatever he did, if he stole, if he raped, if he lied, it's all Sunnah. So we're to do it too. And we miss the mark. David says, I hate every falsehood. Mark 11. We want to be like Christ because he is the way. But we have to study the word to understand the way. If we study part of the word, then we start to think that that applies to everything. So, for example, this week in the debate, I did have a couple of people say, Adrian, you, you need to be more gracious. You, know, you need to be softer. Well, Christ is the way. And I look at Mark 11 and verse 15. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. This was not pleasant. This is energy. This is the wrath of the Lord. He's driving out those who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers. This is, it isn't pretty. It's not pretty. And the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. He was furious. Then he taught, saying, Is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it into a den of thieves. And so I say, The word of God is for all nations. And when people come and spit on it publicly, 
and accuse God of being a liar publicly, I'm going to overturn their tables. And it's not going to be pretty. But I believe that's what Jesus Christ would do. So we need to grade ourselves and have an honest assessment of our starting point. Not yesterday. Not last week. Right now. The GPS needs to know where we are right now. We need to do this individually, and we need to do it collectively as a congregation because we know Christ evaluates congregationally and individually. We need to know the destination. We're not heading to heaven. Heaven is coming to earth. God is coming to earth. And he's looking for a people purified to co-reign with him and to lead the rest of mankind into this relationship with him. That's the destination. So that changes things. You know, if it's just heaven where I sit back and, oh, God, isn't he amazing, and I just do that forever, then that's one level of motivation and hope. But if I realize, wow, God is coming to earth, and there's work to do, and he's going to give us assignments, then that's a completely different perspective and level of responsibility now. And then we need to know the path. The path is the Torah. And Christ came and lived by every word of God. And we follow Christ. He is the only way. I hate every false way. So it's Christ or it's false. Let's conclude. Actually, we're going to conclude with two scriptures. The first one is 1 Peter 1. First Peter 1. And verse 10. Peter writes, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. So they knew that this time was coming, that there would be a people, that there would be this special grace upon us in the end time. Searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify. So they really were trying to understand the time that we're living in now and the time ahead of us. And and really exciting for our young people because they're the ones that are going to drive this. Searching water, what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them, that they have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Therefore, and Pastor Murray has uh, uh, enlightened us on this phrase, gird up the loins. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. So this is a battle we're in. And we have to gird up the loins of our mind and be sober. And hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's the destination. As obedient children, as Paul says, not only in my presence, but also in his absence. And he certainly is absent now, but we have his word. So as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves 
according to the former lusts in your ignorance. So there's a way that the mind worked before the Holy Spirit. Let's not go back there. Let's conform ourselves to the Holy Spirit. But as he which has called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation or conduct. So it's interesting where we look, right? So if we look out, there's wickedness all around, and it's growing dark. And it's like, hey, we're pretty good. We're not like that. But God says where to look. Look to Christ and look at the holiness of Christ and then look at ourselves. How do we compare? But as he which has called you is holy, so be holy, you be holy in all manner of conduct, because it is written, again, God's word, it's written, be holy, for I am holy. We'll conclude in 1 John 3. And as you're turning there, I was uh, in Quebec, heading to the airport. It was a touch and go with the timing. And I get to this highway, and there's a fork. And I don't remember which way I should take. I'm stuck. So I actually had to stop and pull over. And then I remembered, I have a GPS now. So I put in the airport, and it told me, take the right exit. If I had taken the left, I would have missed my flight. But now I have a working GPS. It knows where I am. It knows my destination. It can give me the path. That's what we want for our congregation, for all of us. Where are we really? Are we clear on the destination? And then what is the way? 1 John 3 and verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. It's just beyond comprehension that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not. We're some crazy lunatics, some kind of fringe group. The world doesn't know us, but that's okay. That's okay. We recognize each other, and we're going to help each other through this. Beloved. So it doesn't know us because it, it knew him not. And I think at the debate, that is so evident. They don't know God. They defend Satan, and they accuse God. And they want to be our religious leaders? Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We are are in the way. We are on the journey. We are running in the race. We are girding up the loins of our mind. We are in battle all towards this destination. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself. So as we have this hope, God is not going to send prophets to say, what good is the day of the Lord to you? It is indeed much good to us because we're purifying ourselves. We're conforming ourselves to Christ. We're overcoming ourselves. We're helping each other. 
And so the day of the Lord is very much here. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is, as he is pure. It's not purifying ourselves to think we're our standard of purity. It's his standard of purity. And this is a tall order. But with the Holy Spirit, we will be successful. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.